Today I'm going to read a longer passage than usual. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Luke 2. We're going to look at the Christmas story together. We're going to be talking this morning about the meaning of Christmas. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census took place while Quirinius was the governor of Syria. And so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all men. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and singing, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said one to another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it would have been told to them. One of the things at this season of the year, uh, we do this each year, we think about uh, really the real meaning of Christmas. And that's something that we ought to do, that we ought to think about. Uh, We all do a little Christmas shopping. Uh, We know that that's real common, and we know that's not the main reason of Christmas. We all go to some Christmas parties. I've been to a bunch this year. Some of our classes have had parties, and some of our friends have had parties, and uh, we're going to have a party Christmas Eve here. I want to invite all of you to come to that. Uh, We're going to have a a time of fellowship. That'll be good. We have time with our families over the holidays, and that's good. Cindy and I don't have any family. We, my family has all passed away, and her family passed away, and so uh, you're our family. So uh, we're spending time with you and loving you and uh, feeling your love toward us. And that's wonderful. Even though these things are important, they are really far from the major meaning of the first Christmas. 
Some of us have uh, a nativity scene on display in our home or out in our front yard. When we see the various nativity scenes during this season, we wonder, why was it that God chose those particular people, those people? Why did he choose them to be a part of the nativity scene? Well, most people, of course, missed uh, the first Christmas. There were very few people there. The Daily Herald newspaper of Jerusalem, it went out the day after Christmas, and they said on the front page, nothing happened last night. You know, the press is, is wrong often. <laughs> and, they, and they were that, uh, that particular day. Uh, something did happen that night, and it was something that changed the course of, of mankind, something that changed the course of history, something that changed uh, the thing that we have in our heart uh, for the rest of our lives. Very few people were aware of those first hours of Christmas. On that first Christmas, what, uh, what was their response? H- how did they feel about what was going on? Take Mary, for example. Why was Mary chosen? She was so young. She was probably still a teenager uh, when the Lord uh, chose her. She was young, she was poor, she was a female. That was three strikes against you in the society of that day. Everything was wrong in her life. She was unmarried, she was pregnant. She had to travel a long distance, a long distance, uh, to get to where the census was being taken. And have you ever ridden on a donkey or walked miles and miles and miles when you were very pregnant? Have you ever done that? Uh, that would be real hard. She was having a hard time. What was Mary's response then to Christmas? Mary's response to Christmas was contemplation. Notice what the Bible says in verse 19. Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. I believe the primary reason God chose Mary was the fact that when God spoke, Mary listened. She listened. She wanted to know what was going on. Sometimes we're too busy to listen. We get in the middle of a bunch of stuff and, uh, you know, our attention is distracted and and we just kind of miss the main thing. Mary listened to God and I believe that was a big part of the reason why God chose her. Why did God choose Joseph? I heard about a little boy who was in a Christmas play. They were doing the the Christmas uh, message in the play. He was playing the part of Joseph. And he went to the door of the innkeeper, who of course was also a little boy. They were all kids in the play. He knocked on the door, and when the innkeeper came to the door and opened the door, Joseph said, I've got to have a room for my wife. And the innkeeper said, sorry, no room. And Joseph said, listen, I've got to have, this is important, I've got to have a room for my wife. And the innkeeper followed his lines and he said, sorry, no room. And finally the little boy said, listen, my wife is pregnant. We have got to have a room. And the innkeeper said, well, that's not my fault. 
And Joseph said, well, it's not my fault either. (laughs) Now, man, let me ask you a question this morning. How would you respond if you were Joseph? Your fiancé comes in and says, you're not going to believe what's happened. I'm having a baby, and the baby's father is God. Now, would you believe that? I mean, that's never happened before or since. Would you believe that? Think about Joseph. Well, as far outlandish and and far-fetched as that is, uh, Joseph's attitude, because of a dream that he had, was that of cooperation. He went along. He was a gentleman. Matthew 2.24 says, When Joseph woke up after having the dream, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him to do. He took Mary home as his wife. I believe the point here is that God chooses and uses people who listen when he speaks and those who not only listen but also obey. Joseph was that kind of man even when it doesn't all make sense to you. You go ahead and believe anyway. Now, what about the shepherds? Of all the people in the world, why did God choose those shepherds? I I don't know if you realize it or, or not, but the shepherds were at the very bottom of the social scene. I mean the very bottom. Uh, They were social outclass. They stunk. Uh, You know, it's uh, it's pretty rough if you're out on a hill with some sheep for a month and you don't get a bath and you don't get to brush your teeth and you don't get to do this and that. Uh, You know, they stunk. And uh, it was terrible. They weren't allowed in the temple. They wouldn't let them in. Say, whoa, no, whoa. Hold on there. They were considered to be socially unclean. They didn't know the law. They were uneducated totally in what you were supposed to do and not supposed to do. They were considered to be the low life of their day. And yet God, who one day would call his son the great shepherd, he chose those shepherds why did God do that well he could have invited the greatest princes of the world from all over the world to come and see his son born but he didn't do that why did he invite the shepherds I think he knew that their response was going to be celebration celebration I think he knew that they would get very very excited about it and that excitement would be communicated to all the folks that they knew. Notice the shepherd's response in in verse 16 and 20. The shepherds found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they returned glorifying and praising God. I mean, to the limit of their ability. They were telling the story. They got excited. I think God shares his message with people who take it seriously and care about it and then share that message. The shepherds got so excited when they heard the good news. I believe God is a little bit bored with some of the churches across America. 
I think he looks in on some churches and yawns. The first church of the refrigerator. Have you ever heard of that one? A real cold church, not very friendly. Not very friendly there. The ushers wear ice skates. You have to check the front to see if you come in on a funeral service or a worship service. You're not really sure. Well, uh, you know, at our church, we try and as best we can to create an atmosphere of celebration. We want people to be excited about the message of the Lord Jesus. We want everybody to share that message with their neighbors and their relatives and all the folks that they know. I think uh, that's what God wants. That's what God wants us to do. David said in Psalms 122, verse 1, it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. It didn't say I was sad. It doesn't say I was mad. It said I was glad when I went into the house of the Lord. Well, some people are going to have a hard time when they get to heaven. They haven't smiled in 20 years, and uh, it's going to be hard for them. Can you imagine them sitting there with a sour look on their face? We need to respond to the Lord with celebration. Uh, We need to, to let it out. We need to tell people, hey, this is a great thing, a great, great thing. The shepherds glorified and praised God, and the message went out. Well, what about the wise men? Why were they around? In the first place, there's nowhere in the Bible, I guess all of you know this, that it says that there were three wise men. Uh, There might have been five wise men, or 20, or 30. We have no idea how many wise men there were. Tradition tells us there were three wise men because there were three gifts. So we think, well, there's probably three men. Well, uh, there was gold and frankincense and myrrh that was given. Just because there were three gifts doesn't mean there were only three wise men. In the second place, even though we put them at the nativity scene, they weren't there. So you might need to think that through before you say that again. Uh, They just weren't there. Uh, They were not anywhere around there, in fact, on that first night. The Bible says that they came later. Actually, it was much later. Most scholars believe possibly two or three years later. The Bible says that uh, when they saw uh, Jesus, he was a child. He was not an infant. It also says that they were in a house. Uh, In Matthew 2.11 it says they were in a house. It wasn't a stable. One of the reasons why... uh, is the place they came from on camels would have taken a year or two. They came on camels. It was a long way. They came. They were persistent. They were diligent. They were determined. They were dedicated. I believe that's really why God chose these wise men. They were dedicated. Their response was to say, we're going to do this. We're going to be there. We're going to share this message. They were dedicated people. Matthew 2.11 says, When they saw the child, they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented 
the Christ child with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Once a little boy went to church and he heard this story that we're talking about today and when he got back to his neighborhood, he got all the kids together. He says, I want to tell you this story. He said, and he told the whole thing and he got down to the wise men and he said, uh, and they brought gifts. They brought God and Frankenstein and Myrtle. <laughs> they didn't quite get it, but, but he was trying. Uh, they, they gave their best. That's the bottom line. They gave their best. That's what they, that's what they gave. I believe the reason these people were chosen in particular is because uh, Christmas uh, was a wonderful thing in their attitude. Uh, These men had the Advent attitude. They were thrilled. They fell down and worshipped the Lord. They were thrilled about what was happening. Now remember, Mary's response was contemplation. Joseph's response was cooperation. The shepherd's response was celebration. The wise man's reproach was dedication. That was then. What about today? What about you? What about me? How do we celebrate Christmas today? I'd like to suggest this Christmas that we respond in four different ways. Like Mary, will you contemplate God's word? Do you take time to read his word? You know, a lot of you, I know, read the scripture every day, and it's been such a blessing to you over the years. This morning in our early service, I I was talking to one of the ladies of our church, and she had her Bible open, and there were marks and sentences and exclamation points and all that stuff on every page of her Bible. And I thought to myself, this gal has been in the Word. She has studied the Word of God. And that's what the Lord wants us to do. He wants us to know His Word. We need to take time to pray and and talk with the Lord. Have you ever heard anybody say this? God never speaks to me. You ever heard anybody say that? Maybe the reason God never speaks to you is because your line is busy. Cindy and I have a close friend she's never at home I mean never and if she is at home the line's busy you can't get her I mean you have to leave a message if you want to talk to her it's always busy when God tries to call you are you on hold you put him on hold maybe you need to clear your agenda a little bit and have some time for the Lord Like Mary, will you contemplate God's word? Like Joseph, will you cooperate with God's will? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. I have a friend that uh, went to a church to speak one time. He told me all about this. It really amazed him. He went to this church. He was sitting on the front row, and he was the guest preacher. And the minister of music got up and and started uh, the choir singing this song that just had three words in it. Yes, Lord, yes. Those are the only three words in the song. 
And the choir started singing it real low, and then it got a little stronger, and then a little stronger, and then a little stronger. And then some of the people in the congregation began to sing it. And, buddy, that thing was, was rolling there after a while. I mean, everybody in the room was singing it just as strongly as they possibly could. And then, all of a sudden, they stopped. You know, the Mr. Music stopped it. Everybody stopped. The pastor walked over to the pulpit, the pastor of the church, and he said, Lord, you have heard our answer. Now tell us what to do. He then turned to my friend and he said, come and speak the word of God to our people. Isn't that wonderful? That's the way it ought to be. Yes, Lord, yes. That's our answer. Now tell us what you want us to do. That's the attitude that Joseph had. Whatever you want me to do in 2017, we ought to say, whatever you want me to do, I'm ready to do it. I'm available. I have an attitude of cooperation. That's what we ought to say. Like the shepherds, will you declare God's presence and celebrate it? Celebrate it. Would you do that? The Bible says, your presence fills me with joy. Psalms 23, 4 says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because thou art with me. Now, King Herod did not want to really celebrate this new king in the land. He didn't want that. He had learned a long time before that that there couldn't be two kings in one kingdom. So he sent his guys out to find this new king because he wanted Jesus killed. That was his goal. Get this new king killed. We want him dead. And so he sent them out, you know, to do that work. He didn't want a Savior. He didn't want a Messiah. He didn't want a a new King of Kings. He didn't want any of that. He was not celebrating Jesus' presence at all. None of us know what's going to happen in the next 365 days. We just just don't know. None of us know. There's not a person in here that knows. There are a lot of things out there that we could be anxious about or fretful about or worried about. We don't know what uh, the future holds, but the old saying you've heard, we know who holds the future. And that's the main thing. The one thing I can say with confidence this morning is that you're not going to have to face whatever it is alone. The Lord is going to be with you, right with you. He's going to be with you in this coming year because God is with you. And like the shepherds, we can celebrate God's presence. Like the wise men, will you dedicate your best to him? Romans 12.1 says, Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. He is saying, give yourself. For years, when I lived in Dallas, uh, there was a Neiman Marcus store about a mile from where I lived. And whenever I went out to the mall, uh, Neiman Marcus always had a lot of lights and a lot of pictures and a lot of this, a lot of that. It was a very interesting store. And I know what they were trying to do. They were trying to say, we have the gift for the person that has everything. 
That's what they were trying to say. We got all these nice gifts in here, and then we've got some gifts for the guy or the gal that has absolutely everything. The particular year that I sat down in that mall and read that uh, catalog that they send out, one was sitting there, I, I looked at it. Guess what they had that year? They had an elephant in their catalog. Would you want an elephant? They had a helicopter in their uh, catalog. Would you want uh, a helicopter? Uh, they, they wanted to say, we have everything. If we don't have it, we can get it. That was their uh, motif. Who started this gift, gift giving anyway? We know, of course, the Lord did. He gave the greatest gift that's ever been given. He gave his son, his only begotten son. That's who he gave. That's how it all got started. And because he gave, it kind of makes us want to give a little. We celebrate the birthday of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What are you going to give Jesus this year for Christmas? What are you going to give him? It's his birthday. What, what do you intend to give him? What do you give to the person, like in the Neiman Marcus book, what do you give the person that has everything? You think, well, I could, there's nothing I can give God. He has everything. Well, there are three things that God doesn't have, and he'll never have them unless you give them. Now think about that. He does not have your time unless you give it. Time for service and ministry, time for praying, time for studying the Word of God, time for fellowshipping with other believers. He doesn't have your time unless you give it. He doesn't have your talent unless you use it for His cause. You know, we have always have great people that sing real well in the audience who ought to be in the choir. We always have some people that ought to be a usher or a deacon or on the trustee group or whatever. You know, people that ought to be serving. You know, the talent, the gift, the spiritual gift that you have. Well, what about giving him your life? He won't, he won't get it unless you give it to him. He doesn't grab it and take it away from you. That isn't the way he works. You have to give it to him. I challenge you to, to make this Christmas real, real special. Open up your life and receive God's gift. His wonderful gift of His Son, the risen Lord Jesus. A gift that was very, very costly, cost His life. He died for you, very costly, but He gave it. And you must really matter, or He wouldn't have done that. He wouldn't just give it for some little tiny reason. He gave it for a big reason. He gave it for you. Receive His gift. And then offer him your life. Remember, Jesus is the reason for the season. This morning we're going to sing a hymn. I'm going to stand down here at the front. If there are those in the house that would like to trust in Christ as their Lord and Savior, this would be a great time to do it. Maybe you've been thinking about it, praying about it. This would be a great time. Just slip out, slip down to the front. If you're here in the house today and you've never joined the church, you've been coming for a good while, maybe this would be the day that you'd want to join the church and 
and give of your time and your talents and your life in service and ministry to the Lord. You'd like to become a part of the family of God? I hope that you would do that. I'll be standing down here. If the Lord leads you, you just slip out.